If you hear the voices of children, well, that's because we're at Science North today. Science North is in Sudbury. This is Hugh Cruzel, and the program is QOL, Quality of Life. We're here today because I think that Science North and Dynamic Earth together deliver huge impact in terms of quality of life for us and uh, every visitors, uh, not just residents, although that's a key part of all of this. My guest today, Cass Crane. Cass, what do you actually do here? How do you make us feel better about life and, and teach us about things? Oh, no, I'm asking too many questions. That's a big question. So my name's Cass. I am a staff scientist here at Science North on the second floor. So the second floor is where all of our invertebrate tenants live, as I call them as well as the F. Jean McLeod Butterfly Gallery. We've got our lapidary lab, uh, which is where we polish rocks and, and uh, minerals, and also the Nature Exchange, uh, which is a hands-on environmental science program that we're very proud of here at Science I brought Store. you some snake skins and some uh, yeah. all kinds of things recently. My kids used to collect all kinds of crazy things. They still, still do, probably. You know, they've grown up. This is Hugh Cruzel, and the program is QOL. You know, you listen to it this Thursday, every Thursday. You've been listening to it for years when it used to be called Eat This, Drink That. But now I deal with larger things, uh, you know, like quality of life. And, and if you deal with butterflies, mm -hmm. does that uplift people's spirits? I absolutely think so. I mean, butterflies are one of, I mean, you do encounter the rare person who's afraid of them. What's that it's, called? There's a there's a phobia, right? Like there, arachnophobia. There is, is yeah, and what? offhand, of course, I don't remember the name. Lepidopterphobia. Lepidopterphobia. But there's more than lepidopterists, right? Yeah, well, uh, we all, we so the Butterfly Gallery hosts butterflies as well as moths. We tend to use common names for mm -hmm. most of them, like Painted Absolutely. Lady. And, I mean, as far as the the taxonomy of the groups are concerned, I mean, it is when you're studying these these creatures in, in school, you learn a lot about their names. The advantage that we have here at Science North is you don't really need to know the names of any of these butterflies to to get a benefit from visiting with them, right? It's not about its taxonomy. It's not about name and its genetics. It's about the the experience of getting to visit with them, where they come from. Um, oh, yes. Their role Learn in the, the environment, yes. yeah, their role in the environment and their their role in the lives of people. You know, for example, all of our butterflies here, they, they're little pupa. So something that people ask us a lot is where are the caterpillars in the butterfly gallery? There aren't any. Because they're... They eat too much. Right. We would need a football field sized butterfly gallery to feed. And they need the vegetation that they yeah. yes. survive on, which we would not. It's like panda bears, right? Yeah. They, yeah, we they, can't. They're hungry. No, they are definitely. hungry little beasties. So all of the butterflies, they spend their childhoods, their caterpillar life, on butterfly farms. And these butterfly I farms... I just see it now. The yeah. horse is out there. <laughs> Yeehaw! And, you know, like, round them up, cowboy. No, yeah. they don't move that fast. Yeah, really. just tiny, tiny little cowboys <laughs> uh, to, to wrestle these tiny, tiny little uh, caterpillars. These farms are locally owned, so it is the livelihoods of of people Ooh, yes. it, and like we work with farms that act like not all our farms act like this but some of them act like co-ops where you have individual family farms across a region that raise the caterpillars and when they pupate so when they turn into the little chrysalis they send those to a common farm which then packages them up and sends it a sends these uh, butterflies all around In the world to conservatories. Styrofoam. We're going to take a quick station identifier here just to make sure everything's working 100%. Stand by folks. 
we were talking about the butterflies in travel mm-hmm. to get to here. Cass Crane, I mean, this is not an easy thing to do. I'm sure the logistics of this is crazy. Yeah, they come on a very long journey to get here. All of the butterflies that we have here in the gallery, with rare exceptions, are all from tropical rainforests. So they begin their lives um, in either Southeast Asia or South America. We work with farms in uh, Malaysia, the Philippines, Costa Rica, uh, Ecuador, El Salvador. Um, and so they spend all of their their childhood <laughs> in these in these farms in their native environments, yes. which is also great too Infancy. because you can think of these these farms also act as biological preserves for rainforest. Right. Because these caterpillars, you can't just feed them anything. They rely on very specific food sources. Most people are familiar with the story of monarch butterflies mm-hmm. and how they yes, yes. You're right. They'll only those caterpillars will only eat milkweed. Most not butterf- cream weed. No, no. Nor 2% weed. No, no. <laughs> just the milkweed. <laughs> That's all they'll eat. Um, there's a few different species, but it's just milkweed. So they, uh, most butterflies are like that. Mm-hmm. That they'll only eat, you know, one or maybe hang a on, handful. Hang on. We're talking about butterflies eating. I thought, I may be wrong, mouth parts change as oh, they go through all the yeah. the stages of, um, yeah, becoming a chrysalis. Do they... They do have m- sort of mouth parts. You, yes, you'll have to forgive oh my, my God, generalization. No, 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 you're right. <laughs> so when, when I say butterfly, I'm also referring to the pupas and yes. the, the caterpillars. So you're right, though. Um, caterpillars undergo such a fantastic, such an incredible transformation, transformation yes. right? And it's not only just they grow wings. They Their entire body changes. A lot of people think... It becomes goo. In bet- yeah. like, I don't know how it reorganizes itself. That's the, the mystery way, of life. It's the same way our our bodies get reorganized as, get organized as embryos, right? Yes. It just starts off as a couple of cells and then suddenly you're, you're Yeah, but they were know, something before. They were we some, were never something else before. Yeah, they just get melted down, essentially, into goo. <gasps> There's, if you open up a pupa, it's not like there's a secret hidden bug in there. It's just goo. Yes. You know, the pupa is actually... But there's a program. Yes. So they get completely reprogrammed. So they, uh, they emerge as whole new, um, a whole new insect, really. Except I've always wondered, like, do they remember? (gasps) How do their memories work? Who knows? Who knows, wow. right? You've touched on something that maybe sounds like a short story, science maybe. fiction short story. And I'm, I'm sure people have researched this. I'm sure someone has the answer or at least something coming close to an answer. I mean, you can't interview them, unfortunately. No, not yet. Not yet. But they, uh, so about your earlier question about their mouth parts. So, yes, their mouths become very different. Caterpillars are um, herbivores that munch on leaves. Right, only herbivores. They, they have chewing mouth parts. Yes. But adult butterflies, so when they're in their pupa stage, they don't eat at all. Mm -hmm. They go into a kind of state of dormancy. And then they can eat again, most of them. We'll get into most of them in a second because that's one of my favorite facts. But their mouth parts change and they become like um, sucking mouth parts. Mm -hmm. These proboscises. straws. Straws, yeah. And at that point, they'll eat nectar. There are some that actually can eat pollen, and they do that by mixing the pollen with the nectar and turning it into like a slushy. Oh, it's like Dairy Queen. Yeah. And then uh, there are actually a lot of butterflies that eat like rotting fruit as oh. well as rotting meat. I've seen um, yeah. 
fruit in the. Do, yep. It's called a your your insect. It's not. A, it's a butterfly. Butterfly gallery. Butterfly gallery. It, it's yeah. good, but it's got a name. It's got the F. Jean McLeod Butterfly McLeod. Gallery. McLeod. It sounds kind of like tropical rainforest. McLeod. Yeah, it works out that way. So. So I have to go right back because you said butterflies and moths. Yeah. Now they're very different. I, I think one's got. And the yeah. other one doesn't, right? Uh, yeah, they're they're fairly easy to tell the difference between them if you see them in the wild. They've got some interesting differences. One is, as a general rule, and this is not always true, but as a general rule, moths are nocturnal, so they're active at night, and butterflies are diurnal, they're active during the day. Mm. There are some exceptions. If you've ever seen a hummingbird moth around yes, here, I have. they're moths, but they're active they're during amazing. the day. They're cool. They look like little bees, and they've yeah. got the clear wings. Yes. They're very cool. And you can hear them. You can. They're very yes. loud. Yeah. Um, but most moths are active at night. And then they have different antenna. So butterfly have what were called clubbed antenna. So mm -hmm. they're long antenna with a nub on the end. Mm -hmm. And moths have plumed antenna, so they look like feathers. feathers. Yeah. And the plumed or a radar array almost. Yes. Yeah. And the plumed antenna are cool because you can actually use them to tell the difference between males and females. Yeah, because males uh, and females have different antenna shape because basically the males can have much thicker antenna that they use to pick up on females' pheromones as right. they're, you know, on the prowl. Gosh. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then... Uh, uh, they, they both act as pollinators, so that's similar. And their body plans are very similar. Mo mostly it's the difference in their antenna shape and the time of day that they're active that differentiates. Gosh, I wonder if we could turn the clock back. Did they come from common roots? Oh, yes. They must I, have. Yes. yes. And at some point in time, yeah. you know, I'm a moth. Yeah. And it's <laughs> funny because if you, uh, for any French f any French listeners, yes, um, in, in French, on, on dit les papillons papillon, for butterflies, oui. but for moss, it's actually papillon de nuit. No. So it's just butterflies I didn't of the know night. That. Wow. Yeah. Okay. I've so there isn't there isn't day. a direct translation of moth. It's papillon de nuit. So I'm going to say it because you know quality of life is uh, often it's about adults on my program, mm -hmm. but you know kids like to you've got the dinosaur exhibit on right now. Mm -hmm. Many, especially younger boys, like to name all the different. Is the world of are the is the world of butterflies, are the worlds of butterflies and moths also of interest to children and they get into I mean, the different... I mean, I was a bug kid myself. Well, which, no. Which should surprise no Nobody. Um, from the time that I was five years old, I told teachers I was going to be an entomologist. Um, and then I would have to explain to those teachers what, what I meant by entomologist. Yeah, yes. And I, I encounter those kids. And it's so cool to encounter those kids. Um, and to see yourself in them and to, to know it's like you're going to have a hard time making friends for the next few years, but you're going to be a very cool adult. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe it's easier today. Maybe. The world is much more inclusive today. Than That's it, true. You know, since we're talking about quality of life. That, you know, I, I will not debate you on that one. But, uh, yeah, these, you know, the we do have bug kids. Yes. You know, the... They've got pooters and yeah. things like that. If, if anybody doesn't know what a pooter is, I mean, yeah. it's kind of like a... You can suck things up and then study them, right? Isn't that what a pooter is? I'm not familiar with well, the term. Is, it's a, it's, instead of being able to pick the insect up, you just yeah. kind of, and it you don't suck the bug into you. Oh. It just puts it into a little container. Oh, You've seen, yeah. I haven't seen that. Oh, I wonder if that's I've got neat. one at home that I can give to you. Hmm. Yeah. 
Very yeah. cool tool. Yeah. Well, me, I just was going around trying to catch wasps with a cup and oh study my. them closer. Wasps, uh, uh, that's a, that's a ch more challenging insect yeah. to deal with. Well, I, I did appreciate a challenge. <laughs> but, um, yeah. No, so how many butterflies are we talking about typically are in the collection here? Like, how many square feet is the McLeod? You know, it's about this big by this big. Okay. Um, it's not a huge space. Uh, but it's a busy space. It is a busy space. So um, the population of butterflies in there fluctuates a lot because what you have to understand about butterflies is unfortunately they don't live very long. So like butterflies, weeks. yeah, butterflies spend the most of their life as caterpillars. Mm. And then there are some butterflies that can live for a few months, uh, but some of them only live a couple of weeks and with moths, they might only live a couple of days. Oh, my goodness. So something I was going to mention earlier yes, about the whole mouth parts yes. change. Silk moths. So um, an example of a giant silk moth we have around here is the luna moth, with mm -hmm. the big green wings. Um, members of that moth group, they actually lose their mouth parts. So when then they they're pupate. just using... Uh, they just on live, on, they live on their stored body fat. Yes. Um, or in this case, it's not so much stored fat as it's stored like lymph tissue yes but they they live on that just for a couple of days and i know luna moths it's end of august and it's very short and sometimes it's a frost and then yeah they're but, but they're gorgeous they have yeah. a wingspan of they're, sometimes yes they're quite and what of course in radio land you, you can't know, see how i just spread yeah. my hands how far <laughs> apart but anyways and what and that might seem sad the idea that they live so short a time but yeah, i take symbolic. that yeah and more so than that it means that when you do see them that's so lucky to mm. see them in the wild. You know, they have this this such short life, so to have been lucky enough to see them in just the course of this tiny little fraction of time where they are adults flying around, it's it's lucky and it's it's um it's beautiful. Mm. Yeah. We actually drove to a place called Gardena, California. Okay. So the kids could buy specialty nets. And oh, wow. other things. Yes, there's a, a, a supply company there. Sounds like you've got bug kits. Uh, I, I did, yeah. yes. Well, Dan Chapu, who used to be yeah. here, you know, said, hey, have a look at this catalog. And, and of course, shipping things from the States <laughs> yeah. then meant that, you know, you had to pay duty and they asked questions. Why are you buying these nets and, and all kinds of things? But mm -hmm. anyways, uh, yes, I think I just donated one to somebody. Huh. Oh on a nice extended pole. Yeah, you could really get into this, couldn't you? Yes. Yes, you can. Mm -hmm. Bug people are um, a species unto themselves. Uh, well, because, I mean, sure, you like wolves. Cool. There's a couple of species of wolves in the world. They're neat. You like bugs? You are never going to be bored. Like beetles. Like there's so many different There kinds. are hundreds of thousands of different species of beetles. Yes. You know? Were you into beetles as well? Oh, yeah. Oh, gosh. All of it. Oh. I mean, particularly spiders were always my big oh, thing. Yes. I was always big into the arachnids. Um, but, yeah, so like the world of bugs. And I mean, that's a that's a very broad category. And yeah, I know there's the going to be, bugs in some you know, ways. Yeah, yeah. You, you, in some circles you say bugs and yeah. you're going to make entomologists uh, hair Cringe, stand up yes. because, you know, they're not true bugs, but what have you. Um, but the bugs, 
you know, represents huge different groups of yes. animals, you know, beetles yeah. and flies mm. and and uh, spiders and scorpions and butterflies and moths and it just it, and there's so many there because there's so many of them they adapt to really specific conditions yes. so their diversity is amazing. I mean, one well, of my favorite ones. Yes. Strongest, strongest uh, beetle, strongest insect is a kind of scarab beetle. Yes, yes. I've held or one at I, uh, uh, Andomica. Um, uh, sorry, not a scarab beetle, a dung beetle. Dung beetle, yes. And these dung beetles, if a dung beetle was the size of myself and... Oh, it could lift I'm cars. Three school buses. Oh! <laughs> right? Okay, full of kids? No, <laughs> I get not. that question a lot, too. I, I'll be talking to kids but and be like, are there kids, kids in the school the bus. buses? <laughs> like, no, empty school buses. But they couldn't survive because there is a size limitation on there all of these because they don't have lungs and circulation not. systems like well, we do. They have very different lungs and circulation yes. systems. So with yes. us, our our blood circulates in veins and capillaries. Yes. Uh, most bugs have an open circulatory system wherein basically their lymph fluids, so their version of blood, their hemolymph, is basically just dumped onto all of their organs. It's all soupy in there. Just soupy and yeah i know i've driven down the highway it all ends up on my windscreen yeah <laughs> yes yeah um green and yellow and red yes and that that's part of what they they cannot their their bodies are s structured so that they cannot size grow. limitations there is yes. a big size limitation yeah. they yeah. wouldn't be able to even stand if we i mean these movies in the 50s and 40s of of ants the size of uh, yes anyways we we yeah. There were some bigger bugs at one point in time. Yes, I've um, seen some dragonflies that yeah. were about three feet across. Yes, there were. But that's still that's still pretty amazing. Yeah, no, I would have liked. I mean, we've got the dinosaur exhibit right now. You'd like to be back there. I, I would like. I I just I want to see the giant dragon, giant spiders, giant centipedes. I mean, dinosaurs, cool, whatever. I read somewhere yeah. recently uh, because it was magnolia season, mm -hmm. uh, springtime. Yeah. That many of the early flowering plants, it wasn't insects that flew mm -hmm. that helped with the pollination it was beetles and other things that crawled and then went from flower to flower in their search for nectar but it, yeah i mean the things we don't know if we could go back I, in time oh my goodness i mean modern beetles i don't know about beetles prehistoric beetles but modern beetles are very um significant pollinators mm. Um, they 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 do fly. Yes, many. Yeah. Of, yes, yes. So beetles actually have hidden wings. Yes, and um, there's a special word for that casing on the elytra. <laughs> yeah, yes. they've got hidden wings. Um, but lots of people when they think pollinators, they just think, think bees and butterflies, and they're both important. No shade to bees and butterflies, um, but uh, beetles and flies. They do uh, most of the heavy lifting. Mm. Yeah. Now, you do a lot of heavy lifting. Well, I try. How many people come through the exhibition space here? I mean, there must be some stats. On a, on a general... Oh, I'm asking Ooh, difficult questions you are, again. But I might be able to help you with that one. Okay. Uh, so I'm thinking of our busiest days. Oh, yeah. What would they be? Our busiest days are usually March break, mm -hmm. um, where we can see up to about 2,000 people a day. That's like a really busy day. In, in the Science Center. So, and then... And not a, everybody would choose to come and see butterflies. 
No, not necessarily. No. But it is one of the more popular exhibits here at Science North. I mean, we do, do people operate... Ever go, do people ever go ick? Like, ooh. Oh, yeah. The kids love it. The, uh, the grandparents yeah. might not. The, the, sorry, we I took you off track there no, for a No, no, it's fine. Like, the, the two things is people either think it's too hot. Oh, so and too humid. Yeah, if, if you're not familiar, the butterfly gallery is kept at tropical temperatures. Right. Because they're tropical butterflies, they need that. So it is toasty in there. You know, it's usually between... I came on a cold February day and I went, oh, I'm going to go see the butterflies and remember that sometime it is not like glacial periods out there. Yeah, it is... Uh, it's really nice during the winter. <laughs> Your skin must be healthier because of the yeah, humidity. The humidity is nice during the winter. Yes. If you breathe it into your lungs. Um, so people will be will be uh, like turned off by the humidity and the heat. Um, and that's understandable too. Like um, like I myself has a lot of sensory issues, so I'm not necessarily always able to like stay in the butterfly gallery for more than a couple of minutes because of how hot it is. But uh, some people are not bothered by that at all, and they go in and they enjoy the bright sunshine coming in through all the windows, and it's relaxing, and the butterflies are flitting around. Uh, but some people are dead terrified of butterflies. Wow. Just, which is fine. You are, a, you, you can be. You can be whatever you want. Yeah. I have to ask you, the space itself, if I remember correctly, mm -hmm. there, there, there are plants yep. that mimic uh, an environment that would be familiar to the not that they necessarily see like we do but right. uh, leaf shapes the the branches uh, you give them lots of places to rest yes but there's also a cabinet yes there is and that's their so that is vivarium called, or that is called an eclosion cabinet and that's where they that is where the close so that is where the pupa turn into butterflies you hang them up Yes. Yes. So individually, so in a shipment of butterflies, we could get anywhere from 300 to 500 pupa. So we get a box that comes in with all of these pupa carefully laid out, all tucked into cotton, um, like like wrapped up in mm -hmm. cotton so that they don't uh, they don't get hurt during shipping. And we take them out one at a time. And there's a little spot at the top of the pupa where you can stick a pin through without actually hurting the insect. It's like where they attach where they attach to the whatever strata they were yeah. attached to. So the, you you attach them onto, we've got the these posts in the eclosion cabinet so they can hang on the post because when the butterflies first come out of their pupa, um, they need to be able to hang to dry. Right. So when they first That's come out... That's such a cool process watching. Is. You it know, is so like cool. is, I Do you go there? It's like... Yes. Yeah. Well, sometimes... This will happen sometimes you're, that you're pinning up pupa and one of them is trying to beat Ready. you uh, to, to pinning it up. So I'll be pinning over here and I'll kind of hear a twitching noise and I'll turn around and one has crawled out of its pupa right here. So I've got to take this one and pin it up over here while we're working. Or not pin it up, but rather sit it on a leaf yes. in our laboratory space so that while you're pinning here, this one over here is drying its wings. <laughs> so and, sometimes they'll... And it, it is... It reminds me so much. I've seen, you know, the International Space Station and other other devices uh, that are, you know, could be in, in well, circumnavigating our planet or or heading out. And the the solar panels come yeah. out. It have we learned something from the butterflies? Maybe there is something, you know, that that where you look at things in nature and things seem so spectacular that it feels like science fiction. Yes. Watching a butterfly emerge is a lot like that. I mean, they crawl out with this little gooey backpack on 
and within five oh, minutes, there. within five minutes, they've got these beautiful wings. Yes. Um, and you can't even imagine how they fit in the like, but they they pump their hemolymph into them and they they sit there for hours drying them out and it does look like magic, like it's science. There is a Metamorphosis. valid. There is a valid and scientific explanation for it, but it it feels like fantastical when you watch it happen. Is this the enthusiasm you try to? I can tell it is. Yeah. Uh, it's kind of a crazy question because yeah. I think that you and your colleagues mm-hmm. are so necessary. Like you couldn't just have yeah. you know posters and stickers and interpretive signs. Yeah. You need people to do so that's really your job isn't it i might seem biased but i agree with that uh please continue to employ me (laughs) science north but what makes science north kind of uh not necessarily unique but what we what we strive for here is to have a lot of people to interact with Mm -hmm. like we and you know to be a blue coat to be to you know wear our blue lab coats and be out on the floor it's about stirring up that that passion with visitors and that enthusiasm being able to answer people's questions i mean one of the most common bits of feedback i get both from people who work here and when you really get chatting with a visitor is why wasn't science class this interesting (laughs) you know why wasn't science class this interesting it's true it's not everyone can learn in a classroom i mean some people excel in classrooms and good for them but there are so many kids who grow up into adults hopefully um, who to whom classroom learning just doesn't work and that meant that science wasn't all that interesting because if you don't have an interesting class if it doesn't catch your imagination what you you're not do? going to be passionate about science as an adult right so getting to come to a place like science north when you're a kid it's that opportunity to learn in a different way and to be excited and to be uh, to like to get to see a butterfly emerge from its pupa you know to get to uh to get to like be in a learning space that's not a classroom and then you grow up into an adult who enjoys that or we get adults who come here who say like why was this never right (laughs) or i love we've got the nature exchange here and adults will come in with their kids and they'll you know jokingly be like i bet i still don't have an account and they do and they do (laughs) and then they'll because science north has been here for some people's whole lives yep well, our nature exchange accounts go back to the mid-90s. Wow. So a lot of those people have kids now, uh, which is really exciting for them to discover that this whole time they've had points and either they just get passionate about it again and start collecting points or they'll give their points to wow. you know, their kids or something. You know, it has been an absolute pleasure. I've been wanting to talk to Cass Crane for some time. She's laughing. <laughs> the ass. Well, we're laughing because... It, it takes time to make it all happen sometimes. Mm-hmm. But here we are yeah. at Science North. Uh, it's summertime, 2023. Mm-hmm. It's it's 30 degrees out. So, uh, I mean, do, just as a final thought, do you know, here we are in Sudbury. It's summertime. Can people collect butterflies? Is that something Ooh. you would encourage? Or, so. or would you prefer that they observe and allow to... Am I... Oh, yeah. No, this is an excellent question. So there's a couple of options. One is that you can participate in a butterfly count. So we actually do a butterfly count here through Science North. And you could also use the iNaturalist app to do this. So there's an app you can download on your phone. You could do this as a family. Go by yourself out into your garden and do this. 
and you take pictures of butterflies as you see them, and you record their location, and it geotags it for you. Right. Better and than it'll pinning them than putting them in a sleeping jar and then pinning them yeah. to a board. Yeah. I mean, you can also, I, I would never discourage people from collecting dead butterflies. It is a great way. I mean, as a kid who collected a lot of dead insects, I learned a lot. Um, as long as you're being responsible and you're being respectful of the environments you're working mm. in. And I mean, if you don't need something, put it back. Right. You can collect dead butterflies. You can bring them into Science North. We can put them on display. We can put them in the nature exchange. I would definitely encourage people to use apps like iNaturalist or participate in butterfly counts because not only is it really cool and you get to learn about the butterflies, but that information is then used by scientists working on conservation and experiments involving butterflies Very so cool. we can protect those species and their habitats. Very cool. What a pleasure to talk to you today. This is Science North right here we have our hands but we, we we are here mm -hmm. it's a wonderful place if you haven't been to visit yet i'm sure you just google on the gifts put in science north you'll find out the hours of operation you'll do all those things this is hugh cruzel and the program is qol quality of life here on cklu 96.7 or you can listen asynchronously just google my name hugh cruzel and the word podcast and it's there for you 24 7 365 Bye for now, folks. Thanks, Cass. Thank you.